Now, listen, I'll let you introduce our next guest, John. Somebody that you've known for quite uh, a while. Indeed. Um, I've driven her. I've watched her. In fact, Jim, it is, she is one of the great finds we had, have, in East Clare in terms of, of uh, field sport. Okay. Her name? Rachel Akers. Thank holder you, of how many All-Ireland as a student, how many All-Irelands? Oh. Hammer, discus. Yeah, I suppose so. I would have had seven titles in a row for schools and then probably the same again. Um, but that would have been across hammer, discus, javelin, shot put. Yeah. I, I later specialised in kind of hammer and discus. They would have been the ones I narrowed it down to. Jim, hmm. did you ever see the hammer? No, I've never had it in my hand. I've never seen had it. it. No. no, I've seen it. Yeah. But I'd prefer Rachel throwing it to me. <laughs> uh, well, absolutely. And, and uh, I threw it once. Didn't know what kind of weapon I had in my hand. Yes. It was lunchtime, okay, in the parking area. Give me a look at that, said I. And uh, I took it in my... I don't know, was it from Rachel I took it or not? I swung it anyway. And I let go. And the Scud missile <laughs> tore across the car park. It was at lunchtime too. I mean, it was. I should have been fired for it. They're no okay. It went through the prefab sixteen, which was the yellow, big yellow one. Through the wall. Through the wall, as neat a circle as you could imagine. Much to the great enjoyment of the gathered mob of students. I can no okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Were you there that day? I don't think I was, but I definitely have heard the story. <laughs> there was an Irish hammer tour, Rachel, once in the Olympics, and it, was, it made great footage at the time, uh, who, who demolished the, the the netting around the when he threw the hammer. And it, I think it happened a couple of times in the same Olympics. Pat O'Callaghan would be one of our most famous kind of renowned. He won gold in the 36 Olympics. That's right. Now, this would be a lot more. I can remember this, this on o- TV. OK. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he totally demolished the, the, the power. The power of this must be... The velocity, I suppose, that gets into the ball and the power that gets into the ball, it it might only for a woman weigh four kilos, but I think by the time you release it, it's probably closer to 40 or 50 kilos. So you get beautiful welts on your hand, even that you've got a glove <laughs> and you've you? strapped. Yeah, you, you would. Yeah. Even that you've got strapping and you wear a glove, the power that goes through would leave marks on your fingers mm-hmm. because um, the, the heaviness that gets into the ball is... Yeah. Um, Quite and that the hammer is is a ball with a with a with a wire, a wire and a handle and a handle. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's not a hammer in the no. normal no. sense of the word. No, so the senior women would throw a four k four kilogram ball, um, and the men would throw a seven point two six kilogram ball. And yeah. it, in fairness to the men, it is a beast of a ball. So you have to be substantially quite strong for that one. Yeah. Whereas with the women. It doesn't change past the four kilo ball. So you, by the time you're 18, that's your top weight. You never go heavier than that. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, but your first, <coughs> your first All-Ireland yes. schools was in the discus, wasn't it? Um, it would have been discus and hammer. You see, my sister, Claire, would Claire. have been discus only. Disc, hammer yeah. hadn't actually um, come onto the scene for women yeah. uh, in 1996, 95, 96. Yeah. So I think Claire's first hammer competition was in 1997 
and she was one of the first women in Ireland to win and set the records. Her records were still there. Munster records still stand uh, on all comers lists from when Claire was throwing. So she had a very short career with Hammer because uh, it only got introduced in her kind of last two years of school. Yes. So she um, had a lot of success with discus before that. Yeah. Um, and the late John... Um, Walsh had introduced it in school and, and Hammer was only a very new thing at that stage for women. It okay. was it was there, of course, so for men. It, it would be a good time to, to wish poor old Claire, who isn't getting the front this morning. <laughs> she no. was the original of the species. <laughs> of the she species. was. And I bet there's a man listening as well. Oh, there is, uh, I'd say. Himself. Yes. The maestro. Brian. Brian, yeah. <laughs> And mm. and the daughter is the our guest. Yes, yes. Uh, appropriate time to introduce her. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you didn't turn your back on athletics when you left the college. No, um, I stayed very involved. I suppose for the next ten years. Um, I when I left, I went up to Galway. I was lucky enough to be offered a scholarship to NUIG, mm. um, and. The, I suppose, athletics team in NUIG would have been small at the time and you were still very much kind of doing your own thing. Whereas now, an awful lot of athletes would be pushing to go to UCD because there'd be a lot more funding and there'd be a lot more supports up there. Um, so in NUIG, it was still kind of get up at 6am and do your own thing before you went to lectures. Did you um, do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Over and back to Centennium Bridge and I'd be coming home and I'd be meeting everybody coming in off a night out <laughs> at six or seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 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 So how, how important was it in your life uh, I suppose at the time? It brought me everywhere. Um, you know, we did all sorts of sports as youngsters at home and we were encouraged to swim and to play rugby and obviously camogie and handball and everything. But um, athletics has I've traveled the world because of it. Yeah. Um, and and you know financed by Athletics Ireland and brought by Athletics Ireland and that has been I have met so many people that I'm still in contact now at nearly 38 years of age that you say oh yeah I, I know them since I was competing at under 18 worlds mm. and you're still in touch with people that you know you would have met on the world stage a long long time ago mm. um, and it's funny because we're now crossing paths again 20 something years later because a lot of these people I stayed involved and I would have coached a lot when I went up to Dublin um, I would have competed as a you senior. You got your degree and... Got my degree. I competed all the way through. I, I went and lived in Germany for two full years throughout my kind of six years study. So in third year of university, I um, asked actually to be based in Frankfurt. So because I was on scholarship, I was given an option of where I wanted to study. So I asked for Frankfurt because that's where the national German team were based. And the national German coach was Michael Dela, and um, he was coaching at the time the world number one Betty Heidler and the G German number two. She was about fourth in the world, Catherine Klass. Um, so this was before. Now the world number one is Anita Vladarczyk. She's a Polish lady, but Betty Heidler was the name at the time. No, she and is. We're talking about the hammer. The hammer. Correct. In the hammer, yeah. Mm. And Betty was an 80-metre hammer thrower. She was phenomenal. And she has since retired as well. But I trained 11 times a week with the German national team. And they took me on board. Now, not many people know that in order to train with them, I had to spend four hours travelling every day. So I didn't have, obviously, a car living in Frankfurt. So I had to get an underground a train and a bus 
to get to training and it took me an hour and 25 minutes just to get there and then we'd train for two hours and then you'd travel back again so and I did that every single day um, when I was in Frankfurt on Erasmus and I still had a fantastic Erasmus experience but I suppose um, my life was sport and that came first what do you um, think of that now yeah. so. it's, it's tremendous uh, for a young person mm. uh, do you know, it was a tremendous um, commitment. It, it was. It, your, your social life had to go out the window. It did, it did. And you had elements of it, but um, I suppose my biggest memory was uh, in when you were on Erasmus, you got given February and March off. And everybody went interrailing and everybody went travelling and my dad sent me to Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> so I was shipped off to um, Sambathe, which was a small village in Hungary where the world champion Christian Pars and his coach um, Polybash Nemeth and Pal Nemeth um, where they operated. And I was put in a cheap hotel and I trained 12 times a week with the Hungarian team for six weeks. And then I went back to um, and then I went back to Germany to study so, again. To study again. Were you so, putting distance in uh, yes, distance yeah. in the throw? Yes, I, I must say when I returned from Hungary, I did. I came home to do the intervarsities competition, and that's when I hit over sixty meters. Um, so all that training, especially that year when I was away. How, how does that compare to let us say the Rachel Akers uh, that went out? Um, before or at the commencement of, it would have of been, Erasmus? It would have been there, but I definitely, I suppose, it was the intensity of training that you were able to put in that amount of time. I suppose if I was able to do the same intensity with Dad at home, I would have been at the same place. There was more, Dad would always say, there was more. There was a 62 in me, um, and it was just trying to stay injury-free. Um, and it wasn't long after that, I suppose, it was maybe a year later that I actually tore the tendon in my shoulder. And I had awful difficulty with that and my lower back that I ultimately, a couple of years later, it put a stop to me for a while. Yeah. I, I say I took a hiatus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, stay, I stayed competing, I suppose, until I was about 27, 28, but with difficulty. So my distances weren't the same. Yeah. And then um, when we got married and we were having kids, it was I took a break. Um, mm. But I think the break has probably done me the world of good because I've come back with... I'd love to be who I am now with the brain I have now at 17 because I think I'd have been a very different kind uh, well, of... We athlete. all say that about I our know. sport. <laughs> yes. I only wish... Yeah. But yeah. You, you, And you are competing so at the moment. I accidentally fell back into sport about three years ago um, in the sense that I was just getting fit for myself and I met somebody from a Ennis Track Athletic Club and they said, you know, we were doing a league, any chance you'd throw for us just as a guest... So that was three years ago. And then the following summer, I had decided kind of early in the year, around now, January, February, that I'd do a bit of training so that I'd be respectable. Yes. Um, my ego got in its way of saying I'd like to be at a certain distance. Um, and then last summer went exceptionally well. And from, I suppose, February on, we trained almost daily. And my distances, I got up to maybe 48 metres, 49 metres by the end of the year. And that at a master's level. So because you're over 35, you enter into a new category of master's. And master's is a very supportive, fun way of doing it. There's a huge community of people throwing right up to the age of 90 and 100. Um, and, and Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. You so have John, a great, it's you not have, too late. <laughs> you have a great future. Yeah, it's not too late. Um, so it goes up in age categories of five years, so from 35 to 40 and then 40 to 45. And as you progressively get older, the weights get a little bit lighter. So they yes. are kind to you. They are kind to you. Um, but yeah, I, have, I throw with and against uh, when we're doing things, gentlemen and ladies who are in their 
80, 50 year of life and they're flying around and they go to all these competitions and yes, they might throw 15 metres, but they're delighted and they're winning medals. So um, last summer was quite successful and I was happy. I, I, I didn't quite think I'd be back knocking on the door of 50 metres again um, at this stage of my life. And And were you? I, I had got up by the end of the season in the national championships. I smashed the record and threw 49 metres and um, I had broken the disc. I had broken all four. Uh, no, sorry. I'd broken three records. I had broken the discus record and the hammer record. And there's a new um, event. It's called the weight throw. It's a small hammer. Um, it's only maybe uh, oh, 20 inches long, I suppose, but it's um, 20 pounds. It's a nine kilo hammer. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't obviously go as far. It... Um, I think the top in the world throw it maybe 18 metres. Mm. Um, and uh, I managed to throw that 15 metres in my first year. Yeah. So I was delighted. Rachel, I, I'm just wondering uh, about the history of of the hammer. As you said at the commencement gym, Pat, Dr. Pat O'Callaghan mm. comes to mind. That's right, right you know, yeah. When, yeah. Um, and it's evolved, I suppose, a lot. It yeah. used to be studs and they used to do a jump turn. So originally, if you look in kind of 1922 Olympics and in around then 1919, I think it goes back as early as then. I know if dad was here, he'd have all the names because Pat O'Callaghan was in the 30s and would be the most renowned because he won two Olympic golds and everything else. But there were obviously people before him, but it was a different style. It was a Originally, it was a shaft hammer, almost like what you'd expect from a sledgehammer. It yes. had a solid shaft, and it was like what they would have used in the Scottish Highland Games. And then it evolved with the wire, and they were still kind of jumping. They ground down their studs then. They went out to the Olympics, and they realised there was other people spinning. The Irish did. So they were out there with a file grinding down the studs off their boots so that they could kind of spin around a little bit more. So it's evolved then from that to we wear extremely hard plastic shiny shoes so that we can rotate faster. Yeah, so Mm. that you can rotate, you can push acceleration into the ball, but that you can spin and we spin on a um, smooth concrete surface Mm. in a cage. Um, so it's it's changed and it has evolved and, um, you know, it would have all been in feet and they would have been throwing 50 metres back then, which would have been fantastic. But now school kids of 12 can throw 50 metres. Yes, um, yeah, even since when I was throwing at, at 14, it was said it was unheard of at 14, 15 that a young girl would throw a four kilo hammer 50 metres. And they stood over it in all of Great Britain and said it cannot be done. And the school's international record was 45 metres for 12 years at that stage. And you don't tell Brian Akers something can't be done. We, we better. <laughs> he we, takes it as a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, absolutely. We get that story now, but, but it, it, an appropriate time to say to Brian, he, he, we can't communicate two way with him too easily. But Brian Akers is the father mm. to the young lady we have sitting in front of us in the studio, Jim. Yes. And Brian Akers had a history, has a history, of coaching. And there's many an athlete went out of the college beyond who had been tutored by Brian. And this is a glorious opportunity to say thank you, you know. Yes. Because he was some operator, wasn't he? He was, and he's still at it. He he has athletes from all over the country that travel to him and um, more of his athletes over the last few years are in America on scholarships and we had a, a visit from his... I suppose most recent departure, um, Sean Mokler would be a 74-metre hammer thrower that Dad brought along. He's from Thurless, yeah. and he's in uh, Indiana at the moment on a, on a 
scholarship as well, doing very well over there. Um, I mean, is there ever a, a, a chance that we could win a, um, an Olympic? that we'll reach the actual stage. I suppose Eileen O'Keefe was our closest. Um, so Eileen would have been the same go as um, my older sister, Claire. Claire. yeah. And she went to the Olympics and qualified, which was phenomenal at the time. She was a 74-metre thrower. But even now, um, at 79, 80 metres, you're not even guaranteed a medal. Um, yeah. No, not anymore. As, as a female hammer thrower, yeah. um, they're the the Polish and the Chinese and the Germans. They're they're training. They have so much funding. It mm. is um, it is probably the top thing. It backs them the funding. And yeah. Ireland, we <coughs> they they support their their athletes and everything. But you nearly have to be already qualified for the Olympics to get some funding. And even at that, I don't know how it would support. It's just the funding isn't the same. It's not enough. Now you got mm. into management as well. And by the way, I should uh, we should add in that you're teaching. Yes, of course. While all of this is going yeah, on, yeah. Can I, can I go back just before yeah, you talk yeah. about the the. One thing that struck me there during your college days where, you know, you, you give up your freewheeling around Europe in yes. order to train with the German team. But I mean, th there must be a great generosity of spirit among the... There is. The, 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 that they would accept you in and that the Hungarians, Absolutely. you know, took and you in Absolutely, and they wanted nothing for it. They were, and that was what was, um, it was almost like, well, if you're prepared to do all this work, come on. Um, and I see that with Dad as well. Dad is... Everything is voluntarily. There is nothing. You see other coaches and they, they put a price on their coaching and they put a price on the training. And dad says, you know, when you win that medal, I'll be delighted. And that, that's all he wants. And it was the same in Germany, the same in Hungary. If you're prepared to come along, come along. And Hungary was an unusual one because it was a huge language barrier. I, I didn't speak Hungarian. I spoke fluent German. They had bits of German, but they had broken English at the time. And it was very much uh, hand signals and a guessing game and just get on with it. And uh, uh, it's a universal language of no, keep moving, get faster. You yes. know? Mm. And you knew what to do. But yeah, you're dead right. The support there and that support system of, well, you're a thrower or you're an athlete. Um, yes, come along. And there was no, oh, we're hiding our secrets of what we're doing or, you know, we think we're better than another nation. It was just very much um, that they were willing to help and, and bring along. And I still have fantastic friendships mm. uh, with both the Hungarians and the Germans. Yeah. The, the German Catherine Klaas has come to Cool Ray on numerous holidays with various boyfriends over the years. And I mean, she's a she was a 76 metre hammer thrower. She was fourth in the world um, and uh, she regularly <laughs> frequents Budaik. Yes. <laughs> And do you know where that the, the throwing area is in Budai, Jim? I don't. <laughs> oh, well, now, will I tell him? You can, John. Yeah. Uh, Brian Akers and, and Rachel grew up in, uh, uh, on a farm, all right? And there's a fine piece of, of field between the house and the roadway into the golf club. So you're on the road into the golf club, halfway down there. And... Uh, Brian decided that he could make it uh, a throwing area. He started, I think, with the discus there. Correct, yeah. yeah. So uh, marked out the circle and the netting and what have you. And then he moved from from uh, that to the hammer. The girls moved from the discus to the hammer. We had, a, we had a circle, first of all, and it was built because my sister Claire qualified for the Youth Olympics in 1997. So it was kind of one of these... 
times have changed now you have to hit certain qualifying distances but at the time whoever won the All-Irelands got to go to the Youth Olympics and Claire had a fantastic day out where she I won't say she was cat lucky but she had a very good day <laughs> and uh, she won the discus and beat Eileen O'Keefe I think it was the only time really? Eileen O'Keefe had ever been beaten and Claire got shipped off to Portugal for two weeks to the Youth Olympics and it was one of the highlights of her career and she was the flag bearer and everything so it started when she qualified for that that they said right we're going to put down a circle in the garden but um, we spent years throwing from that circle down the field and the hammer was thrown there and we had no nets at the time um, so your aim had to be relatively good I do know there was a wonderful gentleman from ESB who was regularly called out because the phone lines got hit down (laughs) and uh, he was very kind because he would often say it must have been very windy here last night (laughs) as the phone lines were on the floor yet again if you got it any way wrong But when Alice, my younger sister, came along, um, oh, the youngest child, yeah. she had a whole new camp built for her. So we actually moved over to the side and dad um, has a small shed where he put up a U-shaped nets and we throw full into nets and we have lights and he put up a concrete strip there and we can train in all weathers. So we don't throw outfield actually anymore. We throw into the nets and there's a lot of benefits, I suppose, from that because you have to concentrate on your technique. You're not looking to see where it went, but it also means you can do an awful lot more in a shorter period of time because you're not walking 50, 60 metres to collect the hammers and then drag them back. Or when when we were throwing, you were up to your knees in muck during yes. the winter because these balls were buried, you know, two feet into the ground. Yeah. So we, we now throw into nets and it falls down onto rubber mats. And Dad designed this idea and came up with this idea. And... Um, I don't know, does he get the full recognition in Ireland, but there are approximately 15 of these setups around Ireland now, all because of Dad. So every athlete that he would have had from Cork to Thurlis to Belfast, anybody who had a bit of land, he'd say, right, do you want a fishing net? And all you need is four poles. (laughs) And they all, there's more of these nets and cages around Ireland now so that people can train at home because... Mm -hmm. For me to throw out field at the moment, um, when we're preparing for competitions, we have to drive to t- Templemore, which is an hour to drive up. You take about an hour and a half to do a session and an hour to drive home. So you're three and a half hours at best to get a session done, whereas in 40 minutes we can go over, pop over across the field, do a session, have the same amount of throws done into the nets, and it's it. So driving unfortunately there's no facilities in Clare Lees Road has gone um, unfortunately a little bit dilapidated and the cages are all broken and you can't really throw there Um, you can out of you know a circle but there's no poles or nets and stuff so yeah and and over in the college they're 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 uh, attempting to correct yes to create um, what would you call it I suppose a track and 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 field yes and field yeah by the way you're you're of course teacher Yes. I mean, you earn your living from teaching. Yeah, I work full time. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm based in Shannon for the last seven years. I'm in St. Patrick's Comprehensive and I teach German, of all things. But um, I suppose that's why I ended yes. up in Germany. Yeah. Um, so I teach German and social education um, and I enjoy it. I've been there since we moved down from Dublin and it's great. But like that, I'm out of the house by quarter to eight every morning and I'm not home till four or five. So OK, tell me, how important do you, is... Uh, the extracurricular world how important is that in the general education it's everything I, I had a parent recently at a parent teacher meeting who was saying their son or daughter you know found German very difficult and should they punish them by not letting them you know play football and I said absolutely not you know that yeah. is life for that child it's the reason they come to school every day if you're not academic you know 
we all talk about the students who have everything who might be academic and sporty and everything else. For some students that aren't academic, sport is everything for them. It's the one thing that will keep them in school, <clears throat> that will keep them coming to matches, um, going to training, um, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it might be that they have to learn their algebra or their yeah. German verbs, you know. Yeah. So I think it's it, it's everything. It, it can often keep students or young people on the straight and narrow. It can keep them out of trouble if they if they are. It, it gives them a focus. It gives them a reason to have to be somewhere and they're kind of held accountable. Um, for me, sport is is everything. Um, even my own kids play about four or five different sports just to see what, what their sport will be. Now, mm. I have no doubt as they get older, they'll be roped in yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> if your father has anything to, to say about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And they have spent quite a, a while on track. Um, for the last two summers, they have been on track quite a bit with us. So they know what it's all about. But you, you do a good bit of coaching. Yes, so um, I suppose in school uh, it it has other focuses at, at the moment. There's a lot of hurling and Gaelic football and soccer and stuff. So in, in the school I'm in, not as much, but we still coach, I suppose, on a personal level. We would have people that call up to dad to, um, that do hammer and do coaching. Um, and <clears throat> we would often go up to Templemore Athletic Club and give them a hand and do little coaching sessions, myself and dad. Just They have a fantastic coach up there, John Dwyer, and... Sometimes, you know, you need fresh eyes just to see what the problem is. He's got a very large group that he'd help out. Yes. Um, but, yeah. yeah. It's, it strikes me, though, and you've alluded to it once or twice, that um, we'll say not so much the social side, but the friendships that you have made yes. over the years in terms of competing and yes. in terms of coaching now and whatever, that that's hugely important. It is. Um, I suppose a lot of the reason of why I'm here, maybe I'm... After last year's success, because of the nature of all the Masters athletes, um, they egg you on and give you a big head and tell you how wonderful you're doing. But <laughs> I've roped myself into now heading off to the World Championships in March um, in Poland. So because of the distances I would have thrown last summer, um, you kind of automatically qualify if you want to go that you can register. So um, I think last year there was 110 Masters athletes from Ireland that travelled to um Finland, where the World Championships were on last year, and they had huge success. So yeah. on a master's stage from the age of over 35 up, they came home with a phenomenal amount of medals. I think 60 to 70 medals were brought back to Ireland. And you don't hear about that, you know, in the news. They don't tend to promote us old fogies, if you want to call <laughs> yeah. it that. You know, you don't hear it as much. But, mm. um, it, yeah, it's great. So I'm, I'm, I've joined the team this year, and we, we fly out on the 24th of March. And I'm competing on the Monday with the heavy hammer and then on the Thursday with the long hammer. So I'm hoping now I've the registration lists are filling up quick and you'd be looking at everybody's bests. And there's a, a Luxembourg, a lady from Luxembourg who'd be close enough to me. So I'll yeah. have a fight on my hands. So there's a bit of competition there is. As, as well as friendship. There is. Yeah, there's yeah. loads. There's loads. Yeah. And it's great. And, uh, but uh, two, was it two years ago you managed the, uh, the Irish junior team. You were manager. Yes, I was actually, last summer even, I was in Jerusalem um, with the under-18 team. Under so the Irish team, yeah. So I've, I've for, oh God, as long as I'm teaching, I suppose for about 13 years, I've been taking away the school's international team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been lead manager on that since I suppose my second or third year. I was groomed, I was told. Yeah. <laughs> so I bring them away and they'd be, we have a great team of managers. There's about six to eight of us that are managers. And then I suppose I'm the lead manager over those. And we take away 70 under 17 year olds. So that's the international England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And that's often um, st- athletes first ever international and their first t- taste of an international stage. And I love being at that level because then you see them coming through and our athletes now that you would have watched in the World Championships, Nick Griggs and all of those, they were all on those teams. You know, yeah. Fanula Britain was on those teams with myself. So they're they're yeah. all, um, it's, it's the first step onto the stage. Um, so then... I suppose two years ago they started asking me would I go on the bigger trips so the international kind of European or world trips so I was in Jerusalem with the Irish under 18 team last year for the European Championships and that was phenomenal so we we had a week out in Jerusalem and we had um, a bronze medal home in the 400 hurdles and lots of kind of finals and fourth places and stuff which was fantastic to see um, the standards going up all the time in Ireland. Definitely, yeah. definitely. That's, that's measurable. Mm. Now. It used to be, even 20 years ago with myself, it was an amazing feat to make the team, you yes. know, that you got the qualifying standard yes. and that you got out there. But what Ireland has done over the last few years is they've upped our standards so that when we go out now to these international competitions, we're actually competitive. We're actually making finals. We're making fourth places, third places. There's medals being brought home from most major championships under 18, under 20, under 23. And I think that's probably one of the biggest changes. But there's also, I suppose, more investment going into the youth age groups where at the moment there's 54 athletes in Portugal on a warm weather training camp. And a lot of those athletes are those under 18 up so they're investing time and money into them to keep them in the sport to I suppose you need a cherry you know if, if you're if you're making finals to realise that that's amazing but how do you get into the top four how do you get into the top three well I have my last question Jim okay <laughs> looking back over the years does any one event or incident stand out to you oh Yes. 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 Um, I was, I suppose, highly unusual in that when I made the under-17 schools international team, I made it the first time when I was 14. So I competed as a junior on the under-17 team as a first-year intermediate and as a second-year intermediate. So I was very much a rookie the first year and uh, at 14 I won a silver medal and I was absolutely delighted. And then the second year when we went to um, Scotland... I won gold and I broke the record by three metres and then I still had another year at the same age group um, and the final year was at home and it was in Tullamore and they made me captain of the Irish team. So I was supposed to win it. Yeah. Um, I had a good competitor from Scotland, uh, Frances Miller, and she rightly put it up to me but I, I threw a high 49 and I broke that record and uh, so you were captain at home, you know, smashing the record. And I think that record stood for another 10 or 12 years after that. So I think even regardless of world championships and everything else, um, that one holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Well, Jim, what do you think of that? Mm. Richard, it's been brilliant having you in this morning. Thank you, you know, for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Um, good luck in the in Poland, isn't it? Yes, you yeah, when you're for the going shortly. Yeah. And uh, we keep and we get our sports department to keep <laughs> an, a close eye on you. We didn't mention, of course, Alice. Uh, 
Alice, yeah. Alice, the youngest. That's right. Member is she's she she was in Nebraska for four years on a on a sports scholarship. On a sports scholarship. And she's finishing out now in on an academic scholarship actually in Florida. In Florida. So she's just finishing up her master's degree out there. Okay. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming. We look Thank forward you. to having you back again to let us know how Hopefully things Hopefully with some silverware. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, Thank you. Rachel Akers, many thanks for joining us. Thank you.